This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio. Greetings for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Exposed, subtitled Humanity Craves Power. And joining me is the author, Anton D. Morris. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thanks, Jay. I'm happy to be here. Well, Anton, this is your second book. You are uh, on the path to become a prolific author, perhaps, because this is over 300, around 350 pages, which is a, a fairly ambitious uh, effort to uh, get a novel, uh, get the concept together, get your characters lined up, and uh, then tell the story. How did this story get started? What, uh, what motivated you to, to begin this journey of writing this book, Exposed? Oh, well, yes. Um, good question. Well, to be honest, it, it all started when um, I went to an, went on vacation with my wife, and um, we went to uh, New Orleans. And in the in New Orleans, we visited a slave plantation, and that was a very interesting uh, thing to to see to go and visit. So um, after doing that, I. A lot of the questions started coming to my mind. Um, number one, um, just the whole concept of um, racism, a lot of things like that came to my mind. Uh, what successful businesses have uh, the men who were plantation owners, well, what successful business that their, um, that their children have? And in particularly, what came to my mind was the uh, black slave owners, right? And what successful business have they created from the profits of the, uh, that they inherited from their uh, slave owner ancestors, you know, mm. of their children, of course. Um, wh why are the stories of black slave owners often excluded? Right. Um, where, where, where would the discussion of things like referendums go? If we, uh, if we, if we were to talk about, uh, or throw out some facts about the uh, the ten wealthiest slave owners. Uh, you couldn't mention those ten wealthy slave owners without mentioning some black slave owners. Mm -hmm. um, you know how would the top uh, how would the topic of uh, racism in America change if we discussed that the, uh, the, pr the the precedent for one man owning another was set in court decision that allowed Anthony Johnson, who was a black man, to have land and legally own another man. Uh, this, this happened in the uh, 17th century, and that was the precedence that was set, even before it was um, decided, maybe 15 years before it was even decided or allowed for free white men to own uh, slaves. That slave also wasn't what was called an indentured slave, if I understand history a little bit. He was supposed to be paying back a debt to the, the owner and it was not doing his due diligence in getting that accomplished. That's, I think, the, the foundation for that story, is it not? 
Well, well, Anthony Johnson was an indentured servant. Okay. And and after that, he he was um, given the um, authority to have land and have his own servants. And as the story went, he lent out one of his uh, servants to someone. And then there was a little dispute, and so they ended up going to court. And um, what eventually happened was the court decided or ruled that the the servant was in fact Anthony Johnson's property. And and so Anthony Johnson, really a black man, became the first slave owner Amazing. in America. You have a background in teaching and education. Obviously, that's coming through in your writing. This is a very fascinating bit of history. In weaving it into the story is a, a vital part of uh, not only history, but also of this story you're telling, correct? That, that is true. Um, it's, it's really tough for, I guess, for people to, uh, if you're, if you, if I, I will say this. Let me go back, uh, uh, take a step back. Sure. Traditionally, when it comes to uh, black writers, um, they've always entwined a little bit of history into telling their stories. Um, and I'm not very much different from that because one of my goals and something that I, I, I definitely believe is that a story should give you the aha moment. You should have those aha moments. And I like to say that, that this story has one aha moment after the next. It, it, it's supposed to entertain and enlighten. Yes. And that's, and that's what um, I, tend, I set out to do. Um, so entwining uh, history, especially history that may not be well-known, ideas and concepts that um, have been thought of but never really implemented, and just to put some of those things out there. My other book, um, Men, Gen, and Angels, which is a fantasy, it does the same thing. It, and it really connects a lot of things to a history and a conspiracy. Um, so that's something that I, I guess is a, a trademark for me, you might say. Now, are Althea and Cassandra your main characters in this novel? They, they are not my main characters. Uh, Cassandra, I have to say, is, is one of the main characters. Really, the um, one thing that someone who read it and uh, pointed out, which is intentional, is the main character is a guy named Horace. And uh, Horace, is, his point of view was never brought up in the story. And, and I did that intentionally uh, for a lot of reasons, because I wanted Horace to, in a sense, represent the readers, uh, the reader. And in this way, we all have multiple sides to ourselves, and people see us differently. Every single person will see us in a different way. And, and Horace is that character. Um, we, we never get his point of view. And um, he is the, the, the centerpiece of the story. Cassandra, she is a, um, she's like a prophetess. She's a very witty uh, lady. Um, one goal that I had with Cassandra was to depict a strong female character. And, um, and I think I accomplished that. She is um, symbolically, her name is like the Greek, the Greek um, prophetess, the Greek prophetess uh, in Troy, who was given the um, ability to see the future. 
but no one would believe or listen to her when she gave advice or tell anybody about the future. Did it give you any kind of cautionary feel that uh, you were taking on the uh, aspect of writing from a female's point of view? That, that again, is a little unusual. Not unusual necessarily, but uh, do you think you have accomplished a female viewpoint that would be received well by a female reader? I do. I do. And um, to your point, the... The difficulty involved in that, um, you know, as a guy, sometimes it, it's it's um, maybe simple or it's probably um, more easy to, to stereotype the female character. Right. Um, and but that's something that I definitely didn't want to do. Um, so fortunately for me, I have um, <laughs> I have a, a a stepdaughter who is who is. She is just about as much of a feminist as you can be. <laughs> so there's no way she was going to let me get away with anything like that. Um, so, so yeah, she uh, was one of my beta readers. My wife is the same. My wife is a, is a very strong woman. She's, um, she's a school teacher herself, and she's, um, she, she wouldn't let me get away with stereotyping the female theory. Oh, beautiful. The, the process of writing, every author approaches novel and uh, storyline differently. What was yes. the process or what is the process you use? Are you a, a heavy note taker and outliner or are you just an inspirational writer? No, not, not, not a, a heavy note taker. There, there are some notes I take. A lot of the notes I take come from research. I like to um, kind of look for the accuracy in some of the things that I research and find a creative way of telling the story. But Really, here's an interesting uh, note. The original title for this story was uh, Black Republican. And my original idea was having this guy run for president and having all of these, in my mind, would be elaborate debates and conversations and talking about the economy and schools and foreign policy, all these kind of things. And uh, while I was thinking about all of these things to say, there was no story. <laughs> so, uh, so, so it would have been nice as uh, maybe some essays to write, imaginary essays. But um, I needed a story, and that brought in the the Apollo character. Uh, the Apollo character is a um, is a is a good guy, just graduated from from Morehouse College, and he is trying to to make his way. And when I started to use and think about Apollo, that pretty much became the whole um, crux of the, the story. And, and it was not just Apollo as an upstart trying to make his way. It's the organization, too, the little secret society that they have. It's called Gudifet, which is a um, West African word that stands for dark air. Mm. And so... And so this, uh, this organization is made of uh, men who were black slave owners who had to, in history, combine themselves together for their own sustainability. Um, they, they eventually, during the, um, the Civil War, they put their slaves into uh, militia and they actually used their slaves and uh, to fight against the Union soldiers who came into New Orleans. So, um, so that, by my imagination, that organization 
existed long after slavery, but just in different form. And so now in present day, they have a good piece of the economy and they're doing well. So they are upstart because they're trying to move to the next level, the next level in the uh, social and the political prestige. And then you have um, Horace, who seems to represent the ideals of this secret society, and he is being pulled by his own humanity. And, and that humanity um, forces him to have a certain relationship with the people in West Africa. When he goes there for business, his, his heart reaches out to the African economy and the people there. He has um, another moment with a Vietnam vet. So, so this, his ideas, his pull pushes him to, to challenge, to challenge the, the good effect tradition but at the same time, he, his love for them wants him to hold the social line. So he's, you know, in a conflict between the holding the social lines and his uh, compulsion to uh, empower humanity. And then it's the same with Apollo, who is, you know, just an upstart. He wants to be this famous writer. He wants to have a lot of followers. He has his website. And so uh, as he's going through he, I started to see him as representing Generation Z. And just the way as our Generation Z struggles to find their way, their voice, their object, um, or their, their subject to, uh, they are subject to exploitation. And that's what happens with Apollo. This novel really is character-driven more than action-adventure then. Would that be an accurate description? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I was just to tell somebody what it's about, like, you know, the plot line is this, it may sound boring. But um, and a lot of people, um, the comments I've heard, a lot of people would say, you know, I'm not really into political books. And then when they read it, they get actually surprised because it's, it's not an action story, but it is a fast paced book. And, and it, you just fly through it. So it, it holds attention very well, and it enlightens it. And I think that's what happens when something is enlightening to you and you get new ideas. It, it pulls you in a lot. And one thing I like about my writing is that most of my stories are very heavily character-driven. Beautiful. The storyline will do what for you? If I'm a reader and reading this, there must be an underlying message that you wanted to convey. And I'm sure it comes through from the way you've described it. There's been thoughtful uh, interaction between characters and certainly a character development. What is the message I'm going to receive when I read this? Uh, not that it maybe will hit me in the face, but what were you wanting to get the reader to think about? One, I would like the reader just to think about uh, political structure, how it's set up, and, and, and how, ironically, the best candidate never seems to win. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> I, I can agree the with you there. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> gets weeded out for whatever reason or another. Either he gets ganged up on with a whole lot of other people. Um, he doesn't get the right amount of donations. You know, sometimes, uh, like in our last debate, we had uh, Democratic, on our last go around, we had Democratic candidates who couldn't make the debate, so they couldn't even get on television because they may not have raised enough money. Mm -hmm. um, and the question is, why, why, why do you need to raise money to be on in the debate in front right. of the people in your country? But that was one of the requirements. So 
just looking at, at that part, even before we get to the general election, how these candidates are weeded out. So that's one thing that I, I wanted to I want the reader to kind of notice. Certainly uh, one to cause you to scratch your head when you look at the political system right now. It's uh, It seems to be, at least from my perspective, and not getting political. It's uh, because I am an outsider. I'm a I am a, uh, I, I am a, uh, what do you call those people that, uh, that swim across the river? I'm one of those. I, I am legal. Yeah. I am legal. I'm a legal immigrant. I'm from Canada, but I have uh, ties to my home country and I'm disappointed about uh, the way things are going there now. People are fighting each other. It's a, it's a worldwide issue. Does it take place in the current time frame, or is this uh, historical? No, it takes place currently. Um, I intentionally don't give a particular year, but it is modern. Um, and the majority of the um, book takes place in uh, Houston and in uh, Atlanta. During the campaign, you know, there's there's a visit to one place and then another place. So there's some traveling around. So. The book itself also would be probably appealing more to an adult audience, if I would uh, use that description. Would you say so as well? I think so. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, and anyone who's, I guess, uh, one a person who is a little bit um, aware of the political system, maybe um, not necessarily a, a, a grad student who with a political science degree, but uh, I think the person who would get the most out of it would be um, an adult contemporary. This is a, a very ambitious effort. I will say that, and one that you should be proud of, having accomplished a 350-page novel that is character-driven, not relying on the cliches, and you certainly have touched on some subjects and some historical moments that are not normally talked about or understood or even discussed. So uh, I think you should be very uh, pleased with that, at least I, from this perspective, uh, think that's a wonderful way to approach uh, not only a novel, but character development. The title of the book, again, is Exposed, Humanity Craves Power, and my guest author, Anton D. Morris. Mr. Morris, where do we get copies of your novel? This, it's everywhere. I have it in a lot of our independent bookstores have picked it up. Um, then, of course, there's a traditional Amazon and Barnes & Noble. There's Kobo. Uh, you can get it at Walmart on their website. You can get a copy from my website at um, www.antonstories.com. Uh, we have it set up where you can actually order a signed copy. And I can sign it and get that sent right out to you. Well, that's fabulous. Thank you, Anton, for joining me today and sharing your story. Uh, I think you should be very pleased with, uh, hopefully, the response uh, that it will also garner. Again, a, a great idea, concept, and um, interesting approach to uh, character development. The title, again, is Exposed, Humanity Craves Power. Anton D. Morris has been my guest. Thank you, Anton, and uh, have a great day. And I'm assuming because you have uh, finished not only this novel, but another one in your history, that there's more in the future. Would that be a good descriptive of your passion in life? Well, Jay, that's absolutely right. The, um, the Men, Gen, and Angels book is not just one book in itself. It is, it is a conglomerate of many to come. Right now, I I've, have... I've about 10 short stories that I'm working on. And also, I've already written three other novels for that. So that the whole Men, Gen, and Angel series, that, that's going to be something really big. 
Um, I like it. It's it's uh, it's fascinating. It's a fantasy, so it's a little different from this uh, political one, but it's it's a good story. I like it a lot. Congratulations and the best of luck in the future. Perhaps we'll get to visit again for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.